0: See our dreams so realize, but all these bright lights run together after a while, and our blaze of glory turns ordinary overnight. Our blaze Hey, great to have you guys with us today at one of our Fountain Springs locations, or if you're watching us online, we're thrilled that you've tuned in to join us in today's conversation. Over the past few weeks, we have been in a series where we've looked at two of the most fundamental questions of life, two questions that are so important that at some point in every single one of our lives, we will have to wrestle through to discover the answer for ourselves. The first question deals with Our identity. And the question we all have to ask at some point is Who am I? The second question deals with our calling or our purpose, and it is Why am I here? Now, the sooner we can answer these questions for ourselves, the sooner we can begin to live a life of wonder and a life of significance, a life I believe every single one of us truly wants to have. Now, if you haven't been with us the past few weeks, other pastors have done a great job laying this out and and talking about our identity and our calling. And and if you haven't been with us, I want to just give you a foundational statement that I believe sums up what we've talked about so far. It's a foundation for what we're talking about today and what we're going to continue to talk about in this series called Wonder Life. Here's the statement I want us to start with today. We were created on purpose for a purpose. Every single one of us in this room, God created intentionally for a reason. He does not make mistakes. There are no accidents. There are simply accidental parents. I don't know what situation or circumstance brings you here today or, or what your background is, but I just I want us to, to, to cover this just, just so that we have this stated. Just because there are parents who did not plan on becoming parents that doesn't mean God doesn't have a plan for that child. God has a plan for every single one of us. We were created on purpose for a purpose. Let me show you where we get this in scripture. This is in the book of Ephesians. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. Now, as I read this, there's a couple of things that stand out to me, things that I want to share with you guys here today. First of all, is masterpiece. This idea that you and I are a masterpiece. Now, I've written dozens of songs in my life. I've been a songwriter since I was about 15 or 16 years old, and none of my songs would I claim to be a masterpiece, just so you know, okay? But every song, from the greatest hits to the ones only my mom likes, I spent hours deliberating over every detail of the song, scrutinizing every measure. In fact, there were five times in my life where I had the privilege of recording some of my songs. And every time I would go in the studio the night before, I can't sleep. I play the song over and over again on repeat in my head, making sure it is exactly how I want it to be. And I can assure you that no artist has ever accidentally created a masterpiece. No masterpiece that you've ever heard or seen or tasted someone just stumbled upon. There's this moment of inspiration, but then the artist has to work and craft it exactly how they want it with intentionality. You and I are a masterpiece. We were created on purpose. The second thing that stands out to me that I want to point out to you is what we're here to do. Some translations will say good deeds, some will say good works. The point is this, that you and I have a purpose that we're not just here to exist, God didn't just create us and give us the earth to enjoy the earth, he he gave us the earth to impact the earth, that you and I get to make a difference, that we get to do good things. But there's one thing that I, I have to point out, a little disclaimer here, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't talk about the fact that this was written to a group of Christ followers. This was a letter written in the first century to a church in a town called Ephesus. And what the writer of this letter is saying is that it's only in Jesus, and it's only through Jesus that this new identity and this new calling can be discovered and lived out. It is only because Jesus rose from the dead that you and I are offered new life, and in that new life, God sees us as a masterpiece, and he gives us good deeds, good works to accomplish. And so maybe a more important question for you today, maybe a a better place to start other than who am I and why am I here is to answer, who is Jesus? You see, the writer of this letter, he he had to wrestle with that question at one point in his life. Before he wrote this letter, uh, before he even knew who Jesus was, his name was Saul. And Saul was advancing beyond many of his contemporaries. He was on the fast track to success, and, and, and Saul, he, he actually writes about his accomplishments. I'll, I'll call it his resume, his achievements, if you will. This is in the book of Philippians. It says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. And I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. You see, Saul found his identity. He found his, his calling in his status and in his position and what he was able to achieve. And then one day while he was on a track to persecute the church as he was about to wrangle up some Christ followers and throw them in prison simply for believing that Jesus was who he said he was. He was stopped in his tracks. He was on the road to Damascus where the resurrected Jesus shone bright like the sun and, and, and blinded him and this conversation that he had with Paul would forever change him. His identity and his calling would change. And here's what Paul then viewed his achievements and his status and, and all of that after the fact said, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. You see, once Paul discovered the truth about who Jesus was, his old calling his old identity didn't matter anymore. In fact, the achievements seemed like garbage, seemed completely worthless, like a waste of his time. And what I know is that until we find and are able to answer who Jesus is, one day, whether it's in this life or the next, we're gonna discover that everything else short of that was worthless. Who we are and and why we're here begins with Jesus, Let me say it this way. Our who and why should be rooted in who Jesus is and what he's done. It all starts with Jesus. And so maybe today, if you're on this journey to discover your, your calling, if you're on this journey to discover who you are and your identity, maybe it's because you haven't yet decided who, who Jesus is for you. Maybe, maybe for some of you, you've already locked in that decision. You know Jesus died for your sins. And you know that he was raised to life to offer you life. And, and you've locked that and you've made that decision. You've walked that out. But you're still wrestling with this. You're still trying to discover what it is you're truly called to do. And maybe, maybe you're holding on to that because you still believe a lie that I think we were all told when we were kids. I think at some point in our lives, we were all told a lie by well-meaning, Well-intended parents, coaches, teachers, people who love us. Moms, I'm sorry to say, but you're probably the perpetrator of this lie. We've probably passed it on to our own kids. Tell me if if you've seen this before. You can be anything you want to be. Sound familiar? Maybe you've seen it in culture, movies, television. I grew up in the 80s. I love Back to the Future. I was just a boy when that movie came out. If you don't know Back to the Future, Marty McFly... The main character comes back to the year 1985, okay? And his dad is now an author. His dad hands him a copy of his newest book, and he says, See, Marty, if you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. And as a boy, you hear that, and you're like, Yes, I can do anything I want to do if I just put my mind to it. Or what about about my my daughters? I have have six- and four-year-old daughters, and they love Disney princess movies, like all of them, and I'm somewhat okay with that. One of their favorite princesses is a princess named Ariel. If you don't know the story of Ariel, she's a 16-year-old mermaid. Remember those two things, 16-year-old and mermaid, who falls in love with a human prince, and to marry him, 16, remember, she has to leave everything behind in the ocean to become a human to be with him. Telling my daughters, not only can you be anything you want to be, but it doesn't even matter what species you are anymore. You can cross genetic barriers to be anything you wanna be. And it feels good to hear it, right? It's encouraging, it's uplifting, and there's moments where we failed and we needed to hear that. But I'm sorry, it's just not true. Let me, let me give you a hypothetical scenario, help you, help you see this. Last weekend was the Kentucky Derby. I don't know if anyone around here even cares about the Kentucky Derby. I don't, but it made me think. What if, when I was a boy, I saw the Kentucky Derby on TV? It's the biggest horse race of the year, right? There's celebrities at it from the entertainment and from the sports world. And I see these celebrities, and they like the Kentucky Derby. So there's got to be something good about it. And there's these hats. Women wear these hats that are massive and hideous. And it's a big deal. (laughs) And I'm watching this as a boy. Remember, hypothetical. And I think to myself, man, one day I am going to race in the Kentucky Derby. And so I decide at that time at a young age that I'm going to become a horse jockey and become a professional uh, horse jockey to race in the Kentucky Derby. So I seek out the best trainers in the land and I go to them and I, I practice with them and I run around the track with the horses and, and I do everything there is to do. I, I, I lift weights, however they lift weights, and I eat the food that they eat and I sleep and I do everything that a horse jockey would do to compete in the Kentucky Derby. Well, as it turns out, horse jockeys are typically between four foot ten and five foot six and weigh 108 to 118 pounds. I don't know if you can tell just by the sheer appearance of me right now, but I'm about six foot six and I weigh roughly two hundred and pounds. <laughs> right? I was the size of a horse jockey when I was eight. My six year old is just four inches from competing in the (laughs) Kentucky Derby. No amount of hard work, no amount of dedication or knowledge or even desire is ever going to make me be a horse jockey. We can't be anything we wanna be. But the good news is this, you can be who God wants you to be. And maybe today, the reason that you haven't been able to discover and grab a hold of the truth of who God would have you to be is because you're still holding tightly onto something that you could never be. I don't wanna, I don't wanna sound like I'm crushing anyone's dreams, but I, I want you to think of it this way. What if your dreams for yourself are this big compared to God's dreams for you that are this big? What if you and I are actually limiting the potential that we have Because we're holding so tightly onto something that we could never be. Because we're still believing this lie that you can be anything you want to be. And what if the only way to achieve that is to just trust in Him, is to seek Him, is to find from Him, and it sounds pretty elementary. Hey, just just ask God, right? I don't know if if you know, but we've been going through a psalm over the past few weeks. The Psalms are a book of songs, and so I love the Psalms. As a songwriter, they're, they're uh, uplifting for me, they're encouraging, they're challenging. At the same time, they're very brutally honest. But the Psalm that we've been looking at is Psalm 139, and it was written by King David. The Psalms, you can open a Bible if you have one, and it's right there in the middle, or open a device and type in PSALMS, and you'll find it. And it's that quick, it's right there. And in this Psalm, King David says, that God knows everything about him. The lyrics says, God, you've searched me. You know me. You know everything about me. You know when I lie down. You see when I rise. It's kind of like the original Santa Claus has come into town, right? Might even be the same melody. There's absolutely no way to find out, so let's just say that it was. And he goes through this whole psalm of talking about how much God knows him and cares about every detail of his life. And his final lyrics of this song, he closes it like this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. The first place we can discover who we are and why we're here is simply to ask God. I mean, he's the artist that made the masterpiece. He's the creator. He's the one that would know better than any of us could possibly imagine for ourselves, but when was the last time you just sat still and said, God, what about me do I not see? Is there a path that I'm headed on? Is there a direction that I'm going that is absolutely the wrong way? Is there something about me that I need to do a 180-degree turn and and go the opposite way? Would you guide me and direct me in that? Or maybe, maybe you know exactly who God's made you to be, but you just don't like the answer. I mean, there's times where you think, I could be somebody else I I know maybe I can't be anyone I want to be but I just don't want to be me right now here's what we need to do stop trying to be who you're not King David, the the writer of this song man, he, he got this he's the one, you'll probably remember that fought the giant Goliath when no one else would And he was just a small shepherd boy at the time and he comes to battle and here's this giant standing in the valley and if someone doesn't defeat him, the Israel army is going to lose and they're all going to be slaves to the Philistines. And David, this small shepherd boy comes forward and says, I'll I'll, I'll fight him. And so they try to put the king's armor on him and the king's armor is huge. I imagine the king at the time was my size, and David was the size of a horse jockey. And so imagine armor that would fit me. You put it on a horse jockey, and, and he says, this, is, this just isn't me. It's like, this isn't who God made me to be. I'm a shepherd boy. I've got stones. I've got, stones. I, I've got this, this weapon, this slingshot. I'll fight with the weapons and the tools that God has given me. I'm gonna be who God has called me to be, to be who, who we are to be who God has made us to be and do what God has called us to do, we have to stop trying to be who we're not. And King David lived in a time, this was like 3,000 years ago, where they didn't have all the resources we have today. There's so many things available for us today. We're gonna look at a couple here in just a moment, but but self-awareness and self-discovery is so easy with the internet. David didn't have the internet. He didn't have uh, BuzzFeed. Have you heard of BuzzFeed? BuzzFeed is the website that you get lost on. It's a lot of fun and a lot of things about yourself that you didn't need to know you can discover. Like for example, because of BuzzFeed, uh, I know that I'm the color red. I don't know why I'm the color red. I forgot how how that write-up goes. I'm the color red. I should live in the state of Alaska. I, I know that I'm Chandler Bing. If you've taken the which friends character are you? I'm clearly Chandler Bing. BuzzFeed is just for fun. You've probably heard the saying, there's two types of people on this earth, right? Every single one of us, according to that statement, fits in one or two types of categories. And BuzzFeed has that as well. And I, I saw this this week. Let me just give you some examples. This is just for fun. Everyone in the room, we're, we're in some, this is not to be divisive. This is just for fun, okay? We're not gonna get up in arms about this. There are two types of people in this world. Those who cut their sandwiches straight, horizontal or vertical, because you could turn it, or or those who like it on the diagonal. Now, if you've ever had a two-year-old, you know you have to get this right. I once gave my two-year-old this one right here and she just, it's like, send it back. This is not up to my par, doesn't taste the same. Let's go to the next one. This one, two types of people, right? Those who don't mind seeing all these notifications and those who will just open up the, the notification just so it goes away. I will admit to you, if I ever get an email, it's likely I didn't read it. I just didn't want it showing up on my cell phone. Does that make sense? You just swipe it to get it out. All right, next one. Morning people in the room. (laughs) Versus people who don't ever want to get out of bed, right? But again, if you have small kids, why even use an alarm? They're up when the sun comes up, right? All right, last one. This one's my favorite. This one I think is hilarious. I can only assume, I can only assume what they are trying to say here. There's two types of people in this world. Those who know how to replace the toilet roll and those who have no respect for other human beings. <laughs> that's, that's all that I can imagine. I might be biased, but that's what I'm assuming. We know that there's more than two types of people in this world, right? We, we can't be categorized into one of two types. And this is just for fun, but there's actual research that has been done most of you probably heard of this. Dr. Myers and Dr. Briggs got together, did some research, discovered that there's actually 16 types of people in this world. Every single one of us fits into one of 16 types. If you haven't taken the Myers-Briggs or if it's been a while, I'm going to give you a website that I actually do endorse. You can write this down. You can take a picture of it. Look it up on your URL right now on your phone, but please do not answer all those questions. Pay attention. You can do this later. This is an excellent website for self-discovery. What I love about this is, is you have a series of examples, and then you uh, agree or disagree to varying extents. Here, here, let me give you a couple of examples. Um, you find it difficult to introduce yourself to other people. And so then you'll agree or disagree, and then a scale of how much that happens. Uh, one more, you often get so lost in your thoughts that you ignore or forget your surroundings. And so after you answer a bunch of these and and, and you've answered them again on a series of how much you agree or disagree, they will will put you into one of 16 categories. Now, if you have more than one personality, that's a different phone call that you need to make. Every single one of us gets one personality that we get thrown into. And what I love about this website, besides that it's free, besides that there's no pop-ups, is that it will give you a description of that personality. So for example, I'm an INTJ. And it, will, and it will say, here's your title, it's an architect, which is awesome because as a kid I wanted to be an architect for like a week. So I, I missed my calling. But it will say, this is who you are. And then it will give you uh, some paragraphs as to, as to what you're like in certain situations. So for example, it'll say, when you get anxious you tend to, and then it will give you an answer. If you're in a room full of people you don't know, you tend to, to do this. When you have time to yourself, it's like when you read it, it's like they followed me around with hidden cameras my whole life and watched this. It's the kind of stuff that you're gonna wanna copy and paste and save someday for your obituary, because it's spot on. It's like, it is exactly who you are. You're gonna think this is, there's no way. But the best thing about this, if you're at a point in your life where you don't really know which direction God is calling you, you take this, you have an idea of the personality. It gives you famous historical people that you will know. And when you see what they have all done with their lives, it might give you an idea. When you see the commonalities, it might give you an idea of maybe a path that you should pursue. And It's an excellent resource, uh, I highly recommend it. But here's the thing, you have to be honest. You can't just project onto the screen or onto a paper, however you take these, who you, who you wanna be. You can't think of the person you looked up to and oh, what would they do? So first I, I said, stop trying to be who you're not. After that, you then have to accept who he's made you to be. I could have very easily, I took, I took this one test. Some of you are gonna relate to this. It's the which Star Wars character, are you? <laughs> yeah, I could have very easily answered every question like Han Solo. Because who doesn't want to be Han Solo? Han Solo is the coolest, right? But I answered it honestly. And in doing so, it turns out I'm the evil emperor, which <laughs> nobody wants to be. But you cross-reference it with the other test that I've taken, and it's the same personality. It's not that I'm evil. Some might disagree. But it's, it's that we have the same personality. And there's days where, like, I don't love how God has made me to be, but I have to accept it. I see people who are doing great in life because of how outgoing they are. Or when you came in today, you were probably greeted by someone with a warm smile, maybe they shook your hand, and and they love that. They get energized by being out there and doing that. I can do that for two people, and then I'm just exhausted. I go over to the corner, whoo, breathing deep. I'm like, man, that was tough, that was brutal. That's just not how God has made me to be. Some of you are very bubbly and smiley all the time and you're like a cheerleader and some of you want to kill that person. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But that's that's not me. And I know that. I have a very stoic personality. Those closest to me have no idea when I'm being serious because 60% of the time I'm joking all the time, except I don't smile when I do it. So they have no clue that I'm joking. Oftentimes my wife will get comments like, I have no idea if your husband likes me. And I wish that wasn't the case. I wish people could just tell that I do enjoy being with them. It's just a lot of work to intentionally smile. And you're thinking, well, why don't you just smile more? Like, isn't that, it's pretty easy, right? It's genetic. Like, I have proof on video. My, my oldest, when she was two, was on a pony ride for the first time. And she's going in this, this little track on a pony. And this is her face the whole time. And at one point, she uh, yells out in excitement, we, this is so fun. (laughs) And I watch that video, and I think of all the traits to pass along to my kid at two. She's not, like, observing this in my life. Like, I laugh, and I have a good time all the time. But we are who God made us to be. You cannot be the same as everyone else. There are some of you out there that would be terrified to be on stage talking in front of somebody. There are some of you who would never imagine singing or playing an instrument in front of people and being critiqued like that under a microscope. I heard it said this way this week. I love this. It's one person's weakness is another person's opportunity. God has made us each unique. He's crafted us again to be a masterpiece that no one else can be. And so we have to accept who he's made us to be. Even after We spend time with God. And even after we take the resources and the tests that he's given us, man, we're still going to have blind spots, right? Even the most self-aware human being doesn't know what they don't know. You and I, we, we can't see what we can't see. We need people around us to help us. And I believe God has put those people in our lives. I love the way the writer of this proverb says it. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Are there people in your life that maybe see some things about you that you don't see? I mean, we all need grace givers and truth tellers, right? We need, we need those people in our lives. God has put them in our lives. But have you given people permission to speak truth? I mean, we need that person that will encourage us and pick us up when we're down. But we also need that person that's going to be there and, and help guide us and help point us in the direction of who God has made us to be and what God has called us to do. In my line of work, I've had to host many auditions. And let me tell you, they're not fun on either end of it. They're not fun to be the person auditioning. They're not fun to be the person who has to judge the audition. You've probably seen shows like American American Idol or America's Got Talent. and, And you'll see someone come in and they'll audition and they think they have the most lovely voice, and then they open it and it's like nails on a chalkboard. You know what I'm talking about? And you're thinking, there's no possible way. There's no possible way anybody can be that unaware. I'm telling you, it's possible. I've seen it. It's not just for show. There, there are people who are, who are there and maybe could use a little coaching to get better and, and, and they can advance, but then there's people who are just completely blind to it. And then you ask them, well. Well, what, what brings you here? What makes you think that you could sing? And it's always, oh, my mom says I have a beautiful voice. Once again, thanks, moms. <laughs> always being so encouraging. <laughs> no, we love you. Or it's, it's their friends. Oh, my friends say I have a beautiful voice. Oh, really? When, when do you typically sing with your friends? Oh, when we're at karaoke. Yeah, when most of you have probably had a few too many drinks, right? Yeah, that's, that's a good time. We need people in our lives who are gonna steer us in the right direction, who are gonna be truth-tellers when we don't wanna hear the truth. I so said, to remedy this, to help us discover who God has called us to be and what He's called us to do, let me, let me show you, we need to find people who tell you what you need to hear and not what you wanna hear. And I know at some point in my daughter's lives, I'm gonna to have to turn the corner in, in how, I, how I do things. I, right now, if I have my four-year-old come to me with a picture that she drew me, I'm gonna tell her it's amazing, right? No matter what it is, I can't even tell. It's just her work. She hands it to me, she says, look, Daddy, I made this for you. And she's so happy about it, and she's so excited to give it to me. And I have no idea what I'm looking at, but I'm like, oh, Penny, this is amazing. This is so good. At their age, What they need to hear is also what they wanna hear. They need that encouragement. I'm not gonna throw it back in her face and say, work on it harder. this, This isn't good enough, you know? At four, I love everything she does. But imagine if she's 14 and I'm still doing that, and I'm only telling her what she wants to hear. I would not be doing my job. I would not be loving her the way she needs to be loved if I'm not the one that helps her understand who God has made her to be. Because I would rather my daughters hear from me and get hurt in a moment early on than for years down the road for someone who doesn't care about them, who doesn't love them to have to be harsh and be brutally honest with them. Every March we celebrate both their birthdays. They're both born in March. My oldest is actually born on Dr. Seuss Day. So that's why we read this book twice a year. And like every other Dr. Seuss book, you know, you're reading through a bunch of tongue twisters that make you feel like an idiot. And so, what do you do, parents? You skip a few pages, right? They're just kids, they don't know. But then I get to this one quote that every year I stop on and I make sure that they hear me. Here it is Today you are you. That is truer than true. There is no one alive who is you than you. See, what I want my daughters to understand is God didn't make a mistake. They don't have to be good at everything. They don't even have to be good in the things that I'm interested in. They can be good at something that I can't stand and I will love them. I love them exactly how God made them and there's nothing that's gonna change that. Now think about, think about God. Bible describes God as a perfect heavenly father, okay? Okay. If I, as a human, feel that way about my kids and want them to understand that, that who they are and what they're called to do is perfect for them, it's exactly how God made them. And there's days where I come home and I have no patience for them. There's days where I come home and I'm exhausted and all I care about is, is my needs, right? They just, like, Daddy, let's go downstairs and wrestle. I'm like, let's just have some time alone right now. If that's that's what us as humans do, just imagine the perfection of God for a moment. The Bible says that he is abounding in love, that he's slow to get angry. If I want that for my girls, imagine how much more God wants for us to know that we are loved exactly as we are. And there's nothing that we can do that could change that. That he didn't make a mistake in making you, he didn't make a mistake in making me. He knows exactly who we should be, and he wants us to discover that. He wants us so badly to know this that he was willing to allow his own son to die so that we could discover who we are, so that we could see that we are a masterpiece, so that we could see that we have a calling that is greater than anything we can imagine. God has a plan for each and every one of us because we were created on purpose for a purpose. Let's take a moment and bow our heads, close our eyes. I wanna give you an opportunity right now. Maybe you came in today and and your answer to the question, who is Jesus, would be different than what you're thinking right now and you're still wrestling through it. doesn't mean you have to have it all figured out. But right now, just in the quietness of your thoughts because God can hear your thoughts, Just. If you're ready to make that decision that he is who he said he is, let me give you the words and you just repeat these in in your head. Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. I believe you were raised from the dead to offer me new life. And in that new life, you call me your masterpiece. Jesus, today I decide that I'm not gonna waste my time pursuing the things that don't get me to who you want me to be. I'm choosing today to follow you. God, for the rest of us who have decided that long ago, I thank you for the truth that we are a new creation in you, that we are masterpieces. Would you help us see what you would have us do? Would you help us surround ourselves with the people that can help sharpen us and strengthen us? God, would you give us wisdom to know the right thing to do and the courage to do it in order to be who you call us to be and to do what you call us to do. Thank you that we are wonderfully made, that we are intentional, that you give us a purpose. It's in your name we pray.